0: So Sheer, I got a question for you. Yeah? I was really confused on what movie was what this week. Uh so which one was the horror movie? The one with the mummy or the one with the mutants?
1: The one where Brendan Fraser. Oh yes. Yes. I don't you know should. the okay, wait, wait. <laughs> but wait, wait I was gonna me... say the one where Brendan Fraser romances the cute lady named Eve.
0: Yeah, or <laughs> Is it Wait. <laughs> I didn't know. Okay. Or is it the one where Brendan Fraser has a cute flirtation has a cute flirtatious relationship with a lady or the one where Brendan Fraser has a cute flirtatious relationship with a lady?
1: Um, it's the one where Brendan Fraser has a cute flirtatious relationship with a lady.
0: Oh. Yeah, that's a good horror movie.
1: Ah, the best! (laughs) All right, let's dive in. (laughs) This is Necromancer
0: necromancer
1: i'm shira i'm a fan of rom-coms and i still absolutely adore 1999's the mummy
0: i'm brett and i'm a fan of horror movies and i still can't believe that 1999's the mummy is only rated pg-13 no shit Holy cow, the first 30 minutes of this movie is legit R-rated horror. Like there's yeah, some This stuff movie, happened. this movie was
1: hardcore. Hardcore 1999 horror. Yeah. Now Each week, this, them, there here podcast, we usually pick one romance movie, one horror movie, and then we flip-flop those movies around. We turn the horror movie into a rom-com and the rom-com into a horror movie. This week, we are continuing our theme of Brendan Fraser with the most fantastic romantic comedy, horror, action, adventure, thriller, ride... Uh, ad- yeah. adventure. It's a ride. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quest. um, Thrill. I-, I can't... There's so many... All of the words. It's just all of them. It's all of the words, all of the genres. I think that The Mummy might just be the perfect movie. Dare I say? Like, I mean, like... I
0: mean, I'm not gonna argue with you.
1: I honestly... We could probably just say The Mummy all like it would just be like the mummy the mummy and that could be yeah. the podcast and that's like really all we yeah <laughs> mummy, exactly. <laughs> i mean that's all we really have to say because if you haven't seen it just go watch it it is so good i mean it might be i'm very stingy with my fives when it comes to ratings but i think the mummy is a five movie oh
0: no my my mantra in, in this house the mantra for handing out movie ratings is fuck it five stars <laughs> fuck it five stars. I, I slightly enjoyed a movie fuck it five stars
1: do you put that in your letterboxed reviews
0: sometimes i have before i fucking like, you know, five I'm, stars fuck it, five stars i don't care i like the movie
1: I love oh, okay. this movie. I feel like this movie has something for everyone. Like if your partner is like Fred Savage in The Princess Bride, where he's like, ew, oh, no, yeah, no kissing, kissing, no kissing movies, then this would be the movie I would offer to them, other than the Princess Bride itself. Um right. but the mummy, I think, is is just as exciting just as funny oh yeah i didn't even oh i did mention comedy uh but yeah i think that this movie is absolutely timeless i don't know i i don't know what else to say about it other than that it's so perfect
0: it is the mummy is a perfect movie
1: uh do you have any special memories of this movie
0: Oh, yeah, I remember coming out of the movie feeder and just being jazzed about Same. It. I mean, yeah, the, like, I don't remember the actual movie, per se from the movie feeder, but I just remember the excitement I felt coming out of it, I would have been 13 years old, just the pure excitement of just the three, I mean, it's like Indiana Jones. Which is hard to do. Like, it's hard to make an Indiana Jones movie. Um, but they did. Like, they made a, a modern-day Indiana Jones, which is to say they took from the movies before, and they they riffed on them, but they also took what made those movies lovable and the serial adventure approach to adventure, and just... Ugh, oh, it's just a charming... Fun movie, and the that, bad guy is awesome.
1: Oh, the bad guy! The bad guy's awesome. The bad guy's hot. Everybody in this movie is sexy. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. Everybody in this movie is hot. I like. There's a meme that has has gone around saying that uh, it's my sexuality is 1999's the mummy, and it's just a bunch of pictures of hot people from the mummy, and I I feel that in my bones uh also i just i think you bring up a good thing when you say that you remember seeing it in theaters because again i really think that millennials love brendan Fraser because he reminds us of simpler times more magical times i definitely saw this movie in theaters with family and you know, I think that watching movies is kind of different nowadays with the internet. I, I feel like I sound so old when I say that. I sound like I Alicia. I sound like Alicia Silverstone and Vamps, but what I mean to say is I know people and I am myself this way. I could spend 90 minutes just looking at trailers of movies on Netflix and never yeah. choose a movie yep. and just agonize over what am I going to watch? Whereas way back in 1999, when this movie came out, I was just going to the theater all the time to see whatever was out. We didn't research anything. I mean, maybe my dad looked at Ebert's reviews, but other than that, uh, we weren't, we weren't really researching it. We were just going to go see whatever was out. And so when the mummy came out, I had no like, oh, what are the reviews or who's in it? Or "Uh, why do I want to see a movie about the mummy anyway? I just went with absolutely no expectations and came away from this amazing, romantic, comedic adventure thrill ride.
0: The mummy is a perfectly timed movie of like. Back in 1999, it wasn't as oversaturated with mega blockbusters as it is today. I mean, not like COVID today, but, you know, like before COVID hit, we were getting a mega blockbuster once a week, especially during summer, sometimes two a week. But here it was like once a month you would get a genuinely good movie that might even carry over into the next month. Other movies would come out, but like, You had just a couple gems per summer. And this was just one of the big blockbuster special effects driven feel good movies, four quadrant movies that like this was designed for everyone who saw it to enjoy it. And it was they spent a lot of money on it to make a lot of money on it. and to be
1: honest the cga the cga the cgi CGI has actually aged fairly well i think it
0: holds up
1: i think it still looks good and they do something that i think i really admire in say to bring up disney which we were talking about last episode in the mandalorian i love how they mix cgi with practical effects and the mummy does the same thing where they just have that perfect balance between CGI and practical effects. And even though the CGI is, you know, what is it more than 20 years old it still looks pretty good.
0: Yeah. I think it holds up for sure. Um, Yeah. There's just certain movies that they just knew how to use it and it fit. It fits into this like, this almost feels like action figures <laughs> come to life. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like you're playing in an action fit. Like you could go out and buy these figures and like have a little thing where like, like, you know, like sand shoots up and your, your action. Like I don't, It just feels like watching someone with very expensive toys play. Um, and that's, that's kind of rare for those kinds of movies
1: but it just has such a classic feel like the mummy feels like a comic book that indiana jones read when he was growing up and he decided he right. wanted to be like rick o'connell
0: yeah and, and yeah again that's hard to do because <laughs> like indiana jones is right the pinnacle of that kind of Oh, but so. I,
1: Brendan Fraser's character, though Rick, is just so cool. I mean, we'll we'll get to Evie, but this is a Brendan Fraser episode, so credit where credits due. His characterization characterization of Rick was so awesome. Like he really pulled you in. Like as a kid, of course, I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's so hot!" But I was also like, "The mummy's hot too." This is confusing for me. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, you really just like fell for his character and his charm and this image of this kind of goofy adventurer that was both extremely appealing for how funny he was. But he also seemed like a legitimate hero again to bring in right. that, um, you know, comparison to Jim Carrey. I feel like you couldn't really see Jim Carrey as like a classic hero until later in his career when he tried to do more serious roles. But even then he's always kind of brought his manic spin to it where I just feel like Brendan Fraser just radiates so much charm.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. It's Indiana Jones has a very grizzled kind of approach to him. Like Harrison Ford obviously is very grizzled, but, um, To take essentially that same exact character, but just have that, like, exciting charm. Like, he's, like, he doesn't want to admit how much fun he's having, but he's having a blast doing all of this stuff.
1: But he's not even, he's... He's only like, he's only so, he's just a little jaded, but only as right. much as, as like, it's barely even a touch. Because, you know, we just got done talking about last week how well Brendan Fraser plays Innocent. In this movie, he's a little bit more knowledgeable. Uh, he is a bit more of um uh what what character type am i thinking about you know the guy who seems like he's a bumbling idiot but he actually misses nothing
0: right yeah like a columbo kind of type
1: right yeah something something like that but he he really just exudes that or he reminds me of um did you ever play the uncharted games
0: Mm-hmm. yeah
1: he's a proto nathan drake
0: yeah, for sure. Um but also he does have this sense about him where like he kind of feels like he knows he's the main character. So some of the stuff he mm-hmm. does in the movie, like he specifically does it knowing that like I could get away with this because I'm the main character, right? He's got but the yeah, plot shield. Fine. Yeah, he know he takes advantage of the plot shield. Yeah, um, I feel which like I Ryan always love. It is kind of
1: like how Ryan Reynolds plays Deadpool, except Deadpool is even more winky-winky of the frame. Uh, But it's that same kind of energy. Like Brendan Fraser definitely walked funny so that uh, Ryan Reynolds could run. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and get into it then. So we open up, and of course, courtesy of Wikipedia. I have a
0: question for you before we start. Does this movie count as a reboot?
1: You know, that's a really good question. Uh, in The Mummy with Boris Karloff, which I, I assume you're talking about the um, the Hammer horror mummy movies. Is that who made them? Uh,
0: Well, it's Universal. universal oh, Universal. universal. Monsters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why Just you're the horror expert and
1: I'm the romance expert. <laughs> uh Uh, but no
0: we talked about hammer with uh vampires that we just did that's true yeah
1: uh so yeah is this a remake of the universal horror movie i feel like it has to be it has to be some kind of reboot where they were looking at their old intellectual properties and just deciding what do we want to make and I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like almost every Frankenstein reboot has been trash. So if I were a producer at Universal, I'd say, uh, no, F, F doing Frankenstein again, because that's not going to be fun at all, uh, dracula been there done that there's probably already uh, there's already a dracula in pre-production this is 1999 is this uh Uh, francis ford
0: coppola's had to have just come out
1: right so if that just came out then you're like eh not gonna do dracula (laughs) so what what's left
0: in the universal monster barrel the werewolf dr Jekyll and mr hyde the wolfman creature from the black lagoon Uh, So
1: I think that I think that the Wolfman and uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I'm pretty sure that they might have already done those at the same time. We'd have to look it up. We'd have to do some additional research. But I guess it was one of those situations where all that was left was the mummy. But then somehow they got a bunch of geniuses together on this movie.
0: Yeah, it is the perfect idea of what a remake should be, which is you take the loose general idea of what the mm-hmm. movie you want to remake did and then you make a whole different movie, like a whole different genre, a whole different movie, like Right. Yeah. So it's got the it's got the basic skeleton of the movie, but the rest of it's different.
1: Oh, yeah, Different they packaging. they change they change everything. I mean, OK, they do keep one element that I think I remember from the old, old movie, which is that uh, when Boris Karloff comes alive again, he is looking for the reincarnation of his dead lover, right?
0: I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so they do kind of keep that element in.
0: Right. Yeah
1: all right here we go summary courtesy of lady wikipedia in thebes egypt uh 1290 bc high priest imhotep has an affair with Ankhsenamen, the mistress of the pharaoh seti the first uh i i really like uh the whole thing with her sexy body paint. And we find yeah. out he finds out about the, ins, ins, I don't know, whatever the insubordination because her sexy body pain is smudged.
0: Yeah. And I, <laughs> right off the bat, I told Sonia, I was like, wait a minute. Why did they lock themselves in the room with the, like he, he's got all the servants mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, servants leave. But they shut themselves in the room with the king and his lover and our bad guy. And it's like, oh, you you dweebs. I imagine they yeah, they all have to be taken out, too. Now, right. I would have kept my eyes down and I would have walked right out. All right. So
1: the, the Pharaoh comes after them and. And then they kill the pharaoh because he discovered their relationship. And now Imhotep has to flee while Anksunamun has to kill herself because she refuses to be touched uh, again by that nasty pharaoh. Uh, And uh, she believes that Imhotep can resurrect her. He and his priests steal her corpse and travel to Hamanoptera, the city of the dead. The resurrection ritual is stopped by the Pharaoh's gaudy bards, the Magi. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Imhotep is buried alive with flesh eating scarab beetles. This will come into play later. Uh, And is sealed in a sarcophagus at the feet of a statue of the Egyptian god Anubis. And then the Magi are sworn to prevent Imhotep's return. So, I mean, there is a little like questioning here where you're like, eh. I mean, so they put this curse on him, they bury him alive, they open up the possibility of Emotop's return. You could say in a way they almost give him more power.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh before yeah. Before they
1: bury him, but this is his punishment. This is his divine right. punishment. Uh and then I also like the detail that his his guards, his people, they get mummified alive, too. So, you know, yeah. it's not just and it's you, not just again, that we have to worry about. It's also his his people.
0: And again, as they're pulling out, as the camera's pulling out, as they're doing the voiceover and stuff like they show a guy, put a poker up a guy, mummy guy's nose as he's wiggling in his mummy wrap. Like this movie. The first half of this movie is pretty R-rated.
1: Yeah, it's brutal. Like, I mean, yeah, you you may not see any blood, right. but you're seeing people getting mummified and buried Hacked alive. To pieces. Yeah. People dying in the first few minutes of the movie, but they're really like painting this grisly scene of the origin story for the titular money. Uh, And then we fast forward to 1926. Uh, Jonathan Carnahan. Well, actually, no, they they skip ahead to uh, Jonathan and Evie. Uh, But Mm -hmm. before we get Jonathan and Evie, we get this whole scene with Rick and his, I guess they're like a company of mercenaries that have been hired to go to Hominatra and then they run afoul of the Magi or the local government. And they end up in a standoff in front of Hamanatra. And then Rick, Brendan Fraser, runs into the city and falls under the shadow of Anubis. And I like this is like a great action trope when the enemy bad guys stop where they are. Like he thinks they're going to shoot him. But then they're like, oh, no, this is too right. much for us. Uh, and so they they run away Uh, and then we cut away from that we don't really know like I mean I don't think we have to see his imprisonment and all of that but between that whole scene and his reintroduction he is imprisoned somewhere
0: yeah the magi let him walk off into the desert the one Mm -hmm. main guy says the desert will kill him And so it's just implied that as a mercenary guy who's going around the country shooting people, it would make sense that he would get involved in some kind of rambunctious trouble that would send him to jail.
1: Mm, That Majai guy is so sexy. He is an Israeli actor named Oded Ferrer or Oded Fair. Mm -hmm. I wish his name wasn't Oded because that's also right. my uncle's name and so that's oh. <laughs> when I hear the name Oded that's who I think of but yeah Oded Fair is beautiful. He makes me want to move to Tel Aviv.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. immediately this movie does a great job of like all of the characters in this movie are oh, characters world they're all cartoon. Yeah, they all look the, the part. They all look exactly Benny. like who they are. Yeah, Benny. yeah, the whole oh, scene with Benny. Benny
1: running away. So, so Rick, Rick has his his introduction to the city, uh, and then so he knows cut- where
0: it is. This is important.
1: Yeah, he knows he's where it is. Seen that- it with
0: his own eyes,
1: that's why he's useful. Uh, yeah. and now we go to Evie and she has a great introduction scene too where she's putting away library books and then oopsie, oopsie the ladder falls away from the stacks and she thinks that she's corrected it but then it leads to a domino effect where virtually every single shelf in the entire library falls down she is so clumsy
0: (laughs) oopsie doopsie yeah but
1: she's extremely adorable i i i think rachel wise has never been more adorable and the lobster she was fierce and she was cool and she was cute but here she's just simply adorable
0: she is adorable so uh, and I like how how the guy is like, why do I even keep you around? And she's like, uh, because I can read Egyptian and I can do this and I can do this. And like, she's really good at being a librarian. Only problem is she doesn't have enough field experience to be accepted mm-hmm. by her peers.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh and and yeah, it's just it's all very cute her her ne'er-do-well brother shows up and and he is a funny little introduction where he kind of spooks her but he's found this uh intricate box this uh what's the name of the thing in in uh hellraiser the oh the, yeah the, the
0: cube ca- the,
1: or the something cube like the, the chaos cube.
0: yeah yeah lament, it, lament, yeah it's cute
1: uh, oh the lament the lament, lament. cube yeah or whatever yeah, 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 it's yeah. called uh, the lament structure. I, I'm sure the puzzle people, box. I'm sure people who are huge fans of Hellraiser are very angry right now. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, he has his version of that. It's it's our our box that actually contains a map that leads to Hamanatra, and Jonathan apparently stole the box from Rick. And I don't remember seeing Jonathan in the opening scene. Uh, Benny was there.
0: And- so I think it's implied that when Brendan Fraser leaves to go into the desert, he probably goes to some bar where he is then conned by Jonathan. Ah. And Jonathan escapes with the treasure and as a sacrifice of Jonathan's plan is Rick gets the short end of the stick as he usually does in and- Um. yeah, that's why he punches. He punches Jonathan, right? When they meet.
1: Yeah, I think I think that they that's what happens, because for some reason, they they still need Rick to lead them to the city. They have the map, but they don't know the territory. They only
0: have like half the map because it accidentally got burned. Some of it got.
1: Ah, so Rick is going to supply the other half of the knowledge. Uh, but he is imprisoned and you get this just adorable meat cute between him and Evie where she's just so plucky and, and just so hungry for that field experience that she lacks. Yep. She's so eager to get to the city. And of course, it's just as sexy as it is adorable. And so Rick, who thinks that he's a man on the way to his death, lures her in close and then he gives her a nice big smacker on the lips uh yeah it's not a consensual kiss it is a stolen kiss but it's a movie and it's cute
0: and yeah it's they're the main characters so you know they're gonna end up together mm-hmm. but also it's like they use that kiss to provide genuine romantic tension later oh, in oh yeah because even rick is like kind of, he's not ashamed that he did it, but Rick would never do something like that unless he thought he was about to die. (laughs) In which case, he's like, yeah, I might as well just try to get one more kiss in. Um, Right,
1: and then we get a hilarious um, scene where they're trying to hang him, but he's choking, he he can't hang. Again, this is
0: a PG-13 movie, (laughs) and they are celebrating the fact that his neck didn't break, and now he must... strangled to death
1: right and so while he's strangling to death evie very adorably negotiates for his freedom by giving the hangman or that guy uh, a deal he's yeah. gonna get 25 percent of the treasure uh so deal he cuts rick down Uh, And then Rick agrees to take them into the city and you immediately get this whole dynamic where Evie's like, Oh, Oh my goodness. He's so crude. So savage that Rick O'Connell, I I would never be attracted to him. And then Brendan Fraser pops out all cleaned up. He no longer has his Georgia, the jungle hair. uh, And he's got that nice 1999 floppy cut. So she can't resist.
0: He's probably got some great 1926 aftershave too. Like, ah, uh.
1: he looks great. He's tan. He's got a cool outfit. He's just projecting "I'm the hero" vibes, and she is loving it. Uh, so they are are on their way to the city uh, by boat. And they yep. encounter a band of American treasure hunters that just so happen to be led by the only other person who knows where the city is, which is Benny, Rick's cowardly, side, sometimes sidekick, but he's kind of just like he's he's a colorful character. He's right. chaotic, neutral. He's he's on nobody's side except
0: his. He's own. kind. Of, would would you kind of compare him to like a Peter Lorre? Yeah, it doesn't Peter Laurie always kind of he usually has that sort of like, he's a friend of the good guy, but he's also kind of scummy, but also like he's not going to do something really bad, but he will kind of look out for himself.
1: Yeah, right, right. You're just he's he's just like, he's the Loki, like he's, he's yeah. gonna do whatever he wants to do. Uh, And again, the the
0: writing is so sharp because they put so much exposition in between so many fun observations and one liners like the fact that Jonathan told them where they were going and uh, and Rick is like hitting him with his bag to like make sure he doesn't spill any more beans. Cause like, yeah, you want to keep your advantage. You want to keep the element of surprise. right. Right. And so Rick is just always flawlessly like able to, to maneuver these kinds of, he never acts unfazed.
1: <laughs> right. And so it's at this point, right? Where the Magi attack the boat, right? Because yeah, they want the won- map-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah they want the, the map. map gets burned and then rachel weiss evie is like oh no we have to go back for the map and then brendan fraser rick pulls her out of the room and is like relax i'm the map and it's so funny and it's like now they're stuck together
1: oh and and they and they had (laughs) just like you were saying they had this whole cute back and forth where they were talking about the kiss and she's like that wasn't a kiss and yeah you know it's so (laughs) clear that that they're both still thinking about the kiss and they probably want to kiss again but you know they keep getting interrupted by the plot uh and so yeah i like that immediately their adventure is met with conflict Uh, They lose the boat. They have to continue on foot on the other side of the river. (laughs) Yeah,
0: What a great joke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Looks like you're on the wrong side of the river.
0: (laughs) And again, like just the the confidence that Brendan Fraser has in this kind of like, because sometimes, you know, as a filmmaker, sometimes (laughs) all I can do is like picture. A bunch of people standing behind The camera like treating it like A job and then Brendan Fraser has to come out and basically Like be a comedian he has to be On the spot he has to like Mm -hmm. Be charming as Soon as they say action and He's got to do it in tiny Little chunks all Throughout the shooting of the movie And never ever ever Once does Brendan Fraser's Energy and charisma drop below 11 in this movie like oh, ever.
1: yeah. In every scene, he's just he's just brimming with it. Uh, and so, of course, despite all these warnings, they gotta go. They gotta do their excavation.
0: And, uh, oh, the general guy has decided to accompany them to protect his investment, which mm-hmm. is very good. Because since this is a horror cannon movie, fodder. I was just going to say, we are going to need our cannon fodder. Big time!
1: Oh, big time! Yeah, between that, between the American adventurers, yeah, <laughs> uh, and the guy protecting his investment, and you know, later on, Benny, as we see, we right. we've got our victims all right. Uh, so they're all kind of looking for different things, though. Like ultimately, Evelyn is a librarian; she is looking for a book, the Book of yep. Amun Ra uh the americans though they're looking for that cash money uh right. so she and jonathan and uh rick they managed to stumble upon uh emotep's remains and they notice he's kind of juicy he's, yeah. <laughs> juicy.
0: <That laughs> he's not so he's
1: not as decomposed as they would expect <laughs> and i yeah i like i feel like it's very horror movie the way they go through like oh look at these scratches inside the coffin. He was buried alive. Ah, blah, blah. Uh, So while all of this is happening, uh, the team of Americans discover the book of the dead accompanied with the canopic jars, carrying Anxinamans preserved organs, which I think is funny because they're like, Ooh, treasure. We're going to get so much money for these. And I'm like, (laughs) you're holding jars of somebody's organs. Like, Right. They're just jars of human remains.
0: <laughs> but also that would probably fetch a lot of money.
1: hmm. Yes. And then that night, Evelyn, I think after once again, she and uh, she and Rick have like another cute moment where they kind of get drunk on whiskey. And she talks about how proud she is of being a librarian. Yeah. Uh, which I absolutely love, and then of course she doesn't kiss him because she gets sleepy. Um, All right. But then later on, she decides she wants to read from this book because she realizes it's, it's borrowing. Not, it's borrowing. Also, she just she realizes quickly that their little MacGuffin, the the map box, is also a key. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I just again like this movie is so good also just like the little set pieces that they give you like the the book of the dead and the book of Amun-Ra are both gorgeous and I love how she says no harm has ever come from reading a book and so she starts reading from the book of the dead this awakens the mummy uh, and then what happens is uh, I think Before the mummy even really becomes active, uh, that guy, the guy trying to protect his investment, gets eaten by the scarabs, right? Like, he's our first kill.
0: Yeah, he's he's off on his own looking for his own treasure. He finds Mm -hmm. the beetles in the wall, peels one of them off, it hits the sand, and then it pops out of its little casing, goes into his foot, up through again rated pg-13 we see inside his
1: skin
0: go inside of him into his brain
1: terrified me as a child and then
0: he runs head first into a wall and falls over dead and it's like this is a pg-13 this is for kids oh (laughs)
1: and and the bugs come back too because when when emotep Awakens, he causes yeah. some trouble, and I think one of the people falls over and their flesh gets eaten by the bugs like instantly. Yeah, like, one see of the, the poor
0: workers, the the diggers. Yeah, yeah something he gets, he gets eaten alive, something like that.
1: Time. And I think you know, again, the Wikipedia summary doesn't do it justice because even before they return to Cairo, Emotep wanders around. And meets up with Benny, who I think hilariously Uh, has a necklace for every religion. And he's just (laughs) calling random stuff up. And then finally he holds up a Star of David, which for anyone who's ever seen the Prince of Egypt or celebrated Passover, uh, you know that the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt. (laughs) So immediately, so, yeah. Emotep is like, wait a minute. Oh, this is the language of the yeah. slaves. You may be of use to me. <laughs> yeah,
0: wait, this might be helpful. <laughs> and Benny, as a as a tricky Loki, always looking out for his own neck type, happily takes on the mantle of his lapdog. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So now we've got it's this so collect the tokens setup where Emotep right, right. has to kill the people who stole the canopic jars containing can, canopic jars. I mean, uh, containing the remains of his beloved, and. We start with that one guy who loses his glasses which I mean I can oh, relate jinkies so <laughs> jinkies my glasses so he's just stumbling around like a baby looking for his glasses and emotep takes his tongue and his eyes but to make things even worse when he follows them to Cairo he comes back for more like, yeah. leave the poor guy alone. Definitely. What a that's...
0: great evil scene, too. And he's like, he Ugh. thanks you for your patience and for your time and for your eyes and tongue. And it's like, oh, it's so great.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's a total horror moment a for, horror a PG, yeah, for, for a sure. PG-13 movie. So then Rick, Evie and Jonathan meet Ardith Bay, the the Magi, the sexy Magi guy mm-hmm. uh, at the museum. Uh, Ardith hypothesized that Emotep wants to resurrect Anksunamin by sacrificing Eevee because, forgot to mention this, as soon as he saw Evie, he was like, Anksunamin? Is that new? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also, I think this is the point at which we also learned that uh, the mummy, although he seems invincible, is afraid of cats. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little kitty. I, I thought that was great uh so Evelyn believes that if the book of the dead brought him back to life then the book of amun-ra can kill him again of course she's a librarian so the answer is books yeah it's great it's so so great uh and so they need to go back to hominoptera um emotep Corners the group with an army of slaves. I love that this movie gets all yeah. biblical with the plagues right. the and the plagues. like literal yeah. asteroids just like right. going into uh pyramids. It's it's awesome, and you know, yeah, hats off to the CGI guys for this movie because they worked so hard and I bet they worked for terrible pay. Uh,
0: Probably.
1: <laughs> but uh, so now. Now, Evie has to agree to go with Emotep so that he won't kill everyone else. Uh, and of course, because Emotep is a villain, he's the monster, Ugh. he does not honor his word. Uh, and Rick and the others have to fight their way out. This movie is so, so great. Uh, so much
0: adventure, so little time.
1: I know, right? <laughs> so, so Imhotep, Evie, Benny—they return to Hamanatra. They're pursued by Rick, Jonathan, and Arden, who are able to locate the book. Uh, we're preparing to sacrifice Evie, uh, but then, of course, she is rescued after a battle with Imhotep's mummified priest. Another, another moment where, like, again, like the special effects in this movie are just so much fun. It's kind of like. Um, yeah um who's that guy who did the stop motion uh stuff uh, yeah. like the greek god movies um yeah ray ray,
0: ray harry Harryhausen. harry, Housen. harry, harry Housen. Yeah,
1: yeah 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 ray Harryhausen. it's like it's like yeah. ray Harryhausen coming back to life uh yeah giving the soldiers us those, the stone soldiers and, and stuff. chills yeah, yeah it, it, was it was super cool it was so awesome uh so she's rescued and then, of course, Evie is a librarian, so she's got to read her way out of this situation. She reads from the book of Amun Ra, which makes Emotep mortal. He's fatally wounded by Rick, but of course he vows revenge. Sequel setup, of course. Love uh, it. And then Benny accidentally sets off a booby trap while looting the city of its riches. Uh, and he's killed by flesh-eating scarabs as Hamanatra collapses in the sand. I thought that that was a really great scene where you know here's this character who has no allegiance to anyone but himself, and so he's not taken out by the mummy, he's not taken yeah. out by Rick. It is his own greed that yeah. kills him in the end when he makes it into the treasure room and then falls into this this booby trap.
0: And just Brendan Fraser's relationship with him, how like he's always mad at him for, for betraying him, but he's always kind of like, but you know, I know that it's not really your fault or whatever. Like he's still nice to him. And then when he tries to save him, but Benny gets, you know, the door squishes before. He oh can yeah. Save him, I love that like, part. Goodbye, Benny. <laughs> and just the final way he says goodbye, Benny. It's such a great hero moment of like, eh, I tried. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) He, he tried, he tried his best, but it was not meant to be.
0: Yeah. And then they get, they unknowingly have Benny's gold that he took out. He got out with uh, one case of gold
1: and they have it. Not only do we get our happily ever after where Evie and uh, Rick share a nice little smooch, but then the our principals get to ride away on their camels, um, yeah, with a sexy Arden Bay giving them the send off.
0: Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Good movie, just a a banger, an absolute banger.
1: Oh yeah, uh, no, there's no doubt about it. Like I, I really like. Every once in a while, a movie comes along that, you know, is impossible to make people mad. Like every once in a while, there's, you know, there's movies that it's like some people like this movie. Some people don't like, I don't know. Austin Powers is funny, but it can make you mad because it's so annoying and and stuff like that. But I don't think the mummy could ever make anyone mad.
0: Yeah, it I mean, and that's again like when when in the in the early or in the mid to late 90s when cgi spectacles were becoming the must-see movies of the summer and it was like all or nothing this was the beginning of the beginning of like this is the most expensive movie ever like every movie had to be the biggest and the best like if you're going to spend that uh, James much Cameron, money on a movie. I,
1: I changed my mind. James Cameron saw The Mummy and was furious and was like, I could spend way more money than that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can do it with more dimensions. <laughs> um, four, like, five dimensions. <laughs> but like, yeah, you, you like having a four quadrant movie is not a bad thing there are a lot of bad four quadrant movies out there that try to hit all four quadrants and make everyone happy. And usually what happens is they end up falling short on every single quadrant, but this is true for a a movie like this. Like, yeah, they knew they had to make everyone happy and they made everyone happy. And it's just, I love movies like this. I love like, you know, these are the kinds of movies that, yeah, when I was growing up, summertime, coming out of the theater, jazz, just absolutely jazzed about having the energy of seeing this and talking about it with everyone and reenacting the scenes and quoting the movie. And uh, Oh, yeah,
1: this is definitely, yeah. I, I think we we undersell the fact that this movie had a really big cultural moment. Where it was it it really did feel like this awesome shared experience where after you saw the movie, everybody was talking about it, and you could yeah. relive it in a really fun way. I, I remember that too, distinctly talking to my friend Jasmine about the movie and about how awesome we thought it was and how hot Arden Bay was. <laughs>
0: um this was like a, a a daydream blueprint movie for me which mm-hmm. is to say like i saw this movie right when i was 13 but like in in high school in middle and high school there were certain movies that i would just like replay the scenes in my head when i was mm-hmm. in class and like think of all the cool action stunts that they did and like oh what if you could do this from this movie but in this movie and like this was definitely one of the movies i saw were like I was putting myself in these scenarios thinking of all the other cool ways you could fight stone guardians and stuff like, yeah,
1: this is also a, a movie that falls into that wonderful category that I think Frank and hooker might Frank and hooker and uh, running scared might be the only other two movies that are, are really hard in this category. But movies that are for sure both Brett movies and She-Ra movies. So far, yeah. I would say that it's The Mummy, Frankenhooker, <laughs> uh, and Running Scared is probably the the perfect merger of our two distinct sensibilities when it comes to movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact that. I mean, we're, we're, we're wrapping up into it, but the fact that we're getting into remake territory is like, how I know there's no way to do it justice. This movie is a romantic comedy through and through.
1: Yeah, there's really, I I can't add on to the original movie. So I actually, maybe this is a good segue. Oh, wait, before we get into remix territory crushes, who is your crush from the movie?
0: I'm gonna go... I'm gonna go Benny. Benny? I really love Benny, man. Like, because that actor's popped up in a few other movies. Because um, he's uh, a lovable another... cad. Right. And, and... But he's always... He's always Benny. You know what I mean? Like, he's always Benny. And he's just... Again, the, his introduction to the mummy, to Emotep, where he's going through all the different religions and just mm-hmm. desperately trying to get any god out there to save him. Like, it's so funny. I And yeah, he gets his comeuppance, which I like. I always like a good comeuppance. I just, and he's a character that is unique. He has a unique look. He has a unique performance. Mm-hmm. The, the line deliveries and performance is good. I mean, everyone else is like I've seen I, I've seen every other archetype in this movie, but his archetype is one that as a 13 year old, I don't think I'd seen a lot of. Again, when you get into the film noir genre, you you run into a lot of Benny's. Yes, but this uh, is I true. wasn't watching a lot of film noir at 13. So, yeah, I think Benny.
1: You know, it would be easy for me to just say my crushes, all of them, or my crushes Arden Bay, but I think it really, you know, no, no offense to Brendan Fraser, but for me, it's Evie. I love how proud she is of being a librarian. I feel like as far as female characters that I gravitated to, that I related to, that I enjoyed her character was very high on my list uh, for obvious and- reasons I'm a I'm a bookish nerd as well and right. she was so cute about it and she everything she did was very integral to the plot even though maybe she didn't shoot up all the skeletons like Brendan Fraser, but right. she everything she did was you know, we wouldn't have a plot without her actions and her will to pursue this.
0: Yeah. And yeah, she's, she's not a complete helpless damsel in distress. Like they do have to kidnap her for a little bit, but even before and after her kidnapping, she is a part of the action scenes. I love the shot when she pulls him out from that one bullet that's about to hit him. Like, it's such a lovely little gimmick and it shows that, yeah, she's got situational awareness. She might not be a gunslinger, but she just a, needed a, yeah. field
1: experience.
0: Right. Um, and they don't like sex her up a lot, right? Like she's well, they in a do Make her
1: look sexy. They do the nighty, And then I love this trope in movies. Uh, we saw this in French kiss where, uh, Meg Ryan lost her luggage, So she has to wear the same outfit and Rachel wise loses her luggage. And so for a good portion of the movie, she has to wear that, that sexy black dress.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, she's definitely sexy in the movie, but she's not like sexed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. She gets to
1: actually do things.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a, she's an attractive lady.
1: She's Rachel wise.
0: She's Rachel Vice, yeah.
1: So yeah, getting into remake, remix <laughs> territory, what a bitch. This is so hard. It's already yeah. the perfect romantic comedy, the perfect horror. I mean, you know, what what do you add? <laughs> what do you take away? I my only solution was to do. I guess you would say that this is the movie that would have come between The Mummy and The Mummy 2, because if I recall correctly, in The Mummy 2, Rick and Evie have been married and they have a son.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We skip all the way to they're already married and they have a kid who's also like pretty old. He's like 10 or 12 or something. Right uh so i was like okay i'm just gonna write the story that happens between these two movies if this were a book series this would be book 1.5
0: yeah i had the i had the sequel um the sequel sort of retcon option on the table Mm -hmm. but i didn't i didn't go with it but yeah it's a it's a good idea it's a good jumping off point (laughs)
1: Yeah, that was the only thing I could think of because it's like I can't remake the original movie to be more of a rom-com. It's already a perfect rom-com exactly yeah. the way it is. Uh and yeah, so it's like where where do we go from here? Uh and and that's where I went. I I guess I could have done an alternate rom-com story that was about I don't know, Emotep and Angsunamen and ancient Egypt getting up to Egyptian shenanigans. But I just, you know, I didn't have the creativity for that.
0: No, I hear you. Uh,
1: Should I go ahead since I'm already talking about it? This is more like I was saying the beginning of an idea.
0: Yeah, I'm excited.
1: Uh, So... I decided, I, I may have already mentioned this to you, I decided I would call my movie The Mommy. The uh, Mommy. Much like Finger Blast, I just <laughs> reached for the first thing that I thought of, uh, and, and right. that's what I went with. So The Mommy, The Mommy. Uh, and this is a movie, it takes place between, you know, they're already married and they have kids, to the mummy. So we're in the engagement period of mm. Rick and Evie's relationship. They've just had this amazing adventure together. They're in love. They're getting to know each other. Maybe Rick has just popped the question. Uh, and and maybe the the engagement scene can be really cute and adventurous too. Like maybe they're in the middle of some kind of adventure when he reveals this like, Burmese diamond that he's carrying. Like, maybe it's not even a ring, it's just a fucking rock. (laughs) It's like an unpolished diamond. And she's like, I love it. Uh, But all of this is set up to say that now Evie needs to meet Rick's mom. So we know Rick, but what do we know about Rick's mom? What do we know Uh about the mommy? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Who's playing the mommy? Do you have a casting?
1: Diane Keaton. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. No. I I just I just threw that. Out of there. Uh, Ellen Burn Berstein. Okay. Uh, or um ooh ooh, how about Mary steenbergen Okay. I I just named a bunch of ladies that are professional moms. I think right. oh, Sissy Spacek.
0: Yeah, I was She's thinking already, Sissy Spacek. She's already
1: been Brandon Fraser's mom, she can do it again. Yeah. Um but you know like a, an old Marion Ravenwood, but
0: okay. uh
1: so so now we've got to meet the mommy. And in my imagination, Rick's mom to Rick, they kind of have the same relationship as a Sterling Archer and Mallory Archer, where, Mm -hmm. so Sterling Archer from the cartoon Archer is this badass spy, but who did he learn all his badass spy skills from? His mother. And so they have a very contentious, uh, rivaling relationship. So here's Evie, Miss Miss Dainty Librarian, and, and she's got more field experience, so she's got some grit. But but she's she's an armchair expert for the most part. And then we've got mommy or um, I don't know, maybe her name's Rachel. Maybe we find out that she named Rick after herself or something. (laughs) Uh, And she raised him as a single mother in the Canadian frontier. Uh, But we 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 meet we meet mom. And of course, the first meeting does not go well. Like maybe she thinks that that uh, Evie is way too sensitive for Rick. Maybe Rick tries to explain what happened during the mummy, and she's like, "Her do that." Uh. Uh, but so of course everything is going badly, and then Rick gets kidnapped. And I don't Rick know. Rick gets kidnapped. Yeah, Rick gets kidnapped uh rick gets kidnapped i who's i was wanna... gonna save him who's gonna save him i don't know <laughs> maybe the two women who love him most in the world
0: together
1: <laughs> together oh they have to work together <laughs> these two <laughs> who would have thought <laughs> <laughs> um but uh so so now now we've got the setup i don't know what the MacGuffin would be or what the legend would be i would think that maybe for this one it would take place in america and maybe the creature or the cryptid because if this is the world of the mummy then ergo, all cryptids exist. If the mummy's around, there's a werewolf, there's a Wendigo, there's what, what have you. So I, again, this is the beginning of the idea. So I haven't fought as far as to what cryptid is the feature of this. But the idea is, I don't know, maybe a, a rich southern gentleman kidnaps Rick because he thinks that Rick knows where the Wendigo is. And and that guy's going to uh sell the Wendigo to a natural history museum for millions of dollars or something. I don't know.
0: Sure. Uh, yeah, so-
1: yeah. Something like that. But but yeah, so there's like evil, rich American guy is the villain in this one. Uh and uh mom and evie have to save him. And so I don't know what kind of scenes they would have together, like maybe. Uh, Mom can teach Evie how to shoot. Like part right. of part of their bonding is her giving her her first Winchester or something. And maybe there's a joke like, oh, Rick didn't, you know, give you a gun yet. Ah, And I'll, I'll teach you just like I taught him. And then of course, because Evie is a librarian, at some point, They're going to have to do some research. Like at at some point, she's going to have to show off her skills and show mom uh, that she has what it takes uh, to, you know, be be the person for Rick. And, And she's bringing her own skills to the table. So this is all to say we get into the final act with our two ladies finally growing to mutually respect each other. And we get our three principal characters working together against the bad guys. Maybe they have to battle the Wendigo and the um, uh, the rich guys' mercenaries at the same time. And then right. in one of the, the I don't know, uh, come up in scenes the villain gets eaten by the wendigo who sprints off into the wilderness because no one can tame his right. his wild monstrousness <laughs> the wendigo meets with the mothman and they
0: uh, walk yeah. in
1: they walk into the forest holding hands uh but we we get to the end of the movie uh Mom has given her blessing. And my cute little like aha moment will be maybe Evie is showing classic movie signs of pregnancy. Like towards the end of the movie, she starts to get a little weird. And because mommy's no best, she starts right. to sense what's really going on. And so we learned that not only is the mommy rick's mommy but evie is also the mommy ah the mommy <laughs> the mommies yeah.
0: the mommies um, <laughs> yeah that's perfect and we can have uh we can have a cameo by michelle yo
1: ah because yeah.
0: she's everyone's mommy <laughs> call me mommy
1: I I love that. I I would definitely call Michelle Yo Mommy if she wants.
0: Yeah. While while giving her a foot bath.
1: Maybe not that far. (laughs) Um, I'll I'll leave that to to uh, what is it? It man.
0: Oh right, Donnie Yen.
1: Yeah, I'll leave that to Donnie Yen. All right. Give it to us. What's your what's your remix of this almost impossible to remix movie?
0: All right. I've got a great one. I actually really do like this one, but I like again, this is not even like this isn't even a skeleton of an idea. This is just okay. the start of an idea. A whisper. This is called A Curse for the Ages.
1: Ooh.
0: Ooh. So we have Rick and Evelyn or whatever their equivalents are going to be. And this is like back in ancient Egypt times. So they're Egyptian.
1: Oh, you did and... do your movie in ancient Egypt times.
0: Well, so or oh, part they of get, it. They get cursed somehow. Some way they get cursed. Rick's want in the movie, his driving want is he's an adventurer. So he wants to find something. Whereas Evelyn's want in the movie is she's like a, a historian or librarian. So she wants to record something. So Rick wants to find, she wants to record their lovers. They're madly in love, but they get cursed. They get, they, they're given an option. Either they can be cursed so that anytime they're together, they're miserable or they can be happy, but apart.
1: Ah, this, so, sh- this is some lady. This is some ladyhawk shit.
0: Yeah. So they decide. Well, you know what? We'll just take the being together curse because if we really love each other, then we'll we won't be miserable. We'll learn to be happy with each other, and we'll or beat they out can the curse.
1: Comfort each other in their misery.
0: Right. So they decide to to pick the curse, and then we've get we got some kind of bedazzled. Type Elizabeth Hurley character who's cursing them, so we get a reset, a great reset type gimmick. So now we're gonna go into different time periods. And Ooh, what different if it's locations.
1: ISIS and maybe her form yeah. is a cat or something?
0: Yeah, meow. Um, I, I'm all for putting as many cats as possible in my movie, especially in Egypt. Um, but so we're gonna jump around. Time and place. Okay. So different. I mean, just a shout out a thing. That's what we're going to do. I've, I've got four little scenarios. The first scenario is whatever we're in, whether it's like, let's just say medieval castle times, like Evelyn's work is not being accepted by her peers. So Rick ventures off to find proof for her. And Aww. she sneaks aboard the ship to like help him. But then it turns out Rick is really into adventure, but all the stuff that makes his adventures cool, like fighting the things or, you know, being attacked by bugs or having to sleep on the wooden floor of the ship, all of that stuff that he likes, she doesn't like. So when they're together, they're miserable because she's specifically not making the stuff that he likes fun, fun. So Aww. they have to do some kind of reset. They they call into ISIS and go, "Hey ISIS, uh, we 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 botched this one. We're gonna prove true love can win. Give us another time period. Give us another country. We roll the dice. New setting. In this setting, Rick finds a forgery, but he doesn't know it's a forgery. Evelyn finds out it's a forgery but in order to protect his honor and and dignity as an adventurer she fakes she fabricates proof
1: Aww. that this
0: is a genuine artifact however this all gets uncovered at the big auction scene where like you know, his his item is next on the block and it's the most expensive one. He's about to get the most money, but then her secret accidentally gets unleashed and then he ends up making no money. And then it's like, hey, Isis, we're calling in our favor. We need a reset. Boom. Roll the dice. New time, new place. In this one, Evelyn's work is accepted by her peers. So let's say Aww. it's like, let's say it's uh uh like, The Wild West. She's a Wild West kind of person. So again, we have lots of fun, lots of options for rom-com, character, gimmicks, hijinks. Uh, In this one, her work is accepted. But he accidentally finds proof that disproves her work. So now... You can't
1: have that.
0: No. So now he's successful. Now he's going on a tour of success But the whole time he's on this tour of success, she's trying to be happy for him. But of course, he's not happy for her because he ruined her finding. So he calls in the Great Reset. New time, new place. Rick finds an idol. Um, But then it's a genuine idol this time, a genuine treasure. But Evelyn accidentally breaks it while she's recording down the facts about it. So of course Rick isn't mad at her because it's just treasure. He'll go out and find another one. But, oh, but Evelyn is miserable. like, "Miserable." Evelyn is like, "No, but I feel so bad." So she calls in the great reset. So now we're in third act territory. We're running out of resets. No more reset. Rick wants to find we're getting something... to the end
1: of time.
0: Right. <laughs> the future, nineteen ninety nine. So it's. It's He wants to find something. She wants to record something. What they end up doing is they end up going on some kind of adventure together. And instead of finding something or recording something, they basically go on an adventure that other people will go on to write about or go on to find proof of their true love. So in the end, it isn't about making them happy or do it like it isn't about doing what the other person thinks would be the best for them it's about working together and finding happiness together and compromise and relationship and stuff but at the end of the movie when they go to do their one final big kiss and the camera swirls around them it'll like green screen blur into all the different time periods all and the lives yeah, and then we'll have a big sweeping score that'll make it really epic, but
1: like Rachel Wise yeah. in that one Darren Aronofsky movie where she's like three people.
0: Yeah, the fountain. Her oh, and Hugh yeah, yeah. Jackman. The
1: fountain the fountain.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, a curse for the ages. Just two lovers. The, my my whole thing was if you're gonna do the mummy but make it a rom-com, I wanted them to be cursed. And the more they were together, the more bad luck the curse brought upon them. That's really the only thing I tried to do.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I like it. I like that you kept the curse element. Yeah. I, I kept the cryptid part and you kept the curse right. part. We we definitely tackled it from different sides. I think we did good for a movie that already is pretty much yeah. the perfect rom-com And the best, like, I mean, it's really terrifying in some parts. Uh, We had a real challenge ahead of us. So, yeah, rats off to us. Rats Uh, off to (laughs) you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, before we dive into our love bites, just want to remind you to like, subscribe, follow, wherever you listen to podcasts, review. It's nice. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at Necromancer Pod or email us at necromancerpodcast at gmail. Now, on to love bites. What would you like to recommend this
0: week? Well, I recently visited my brother. My brother is in Ew. Kansas <laughs> He is in Manhattan, Kansas. Ooh, which
1: I'll take is, Manhattan. Um,
0: No, Kansas. Um, He's in Manhattan, Kansas. He's in the Air Force. He's on an Army base as part of an Air Force Army thing. So he's in Kansas in the middle of nowhere. What are you going to do in Manhattan, Kansas? Well, it turns out- Go to the Empire
1: State Building. (sighs) Kansas.
0: (laughs) This is Kansas. Um, What are you going to do? I've got the best suggestion for you kansas state university has the k-state insect zoo and you can you can even though they have an hours of operation you can request a tour and they'll give you a tour anytime you want basically oh nice part of the state university so it's education so part of their funding i'm sure comes from the fact that they're open to the public or whatever but so you, you can go just to decide,
1: this... I want to be educated today.
0: Yeah. So my brother called him up and said, hey, we've got 10 people coming. Uh, it was five adults and five kids. And we want to look at some bugs. And the lady said, okay. And then we went and we had one hour and the lady gave us a rundown on all these bugs. I got to hold a stick insect. I got Ooh. to hold a tree roach. I got to we got to see a tarantula being fed and we got to see a praying mantis being fed and we fed some leaf cutter ants and got to see how much progress they made on their little leafies and we got to look at all sorts of cool bugs. Oh huh, that sounds like a um, lot of fun. Yeah, it was super awesome. The lady was really nice. She was very good and she had to manage five kids. Uh the ages were nine, nine, five, five. No, nine, nine, six, five, and four. So little kids, she kept their attention. They all loved yeah, the bugs. A lot. Yeah. And I think I mentioned as a love bite on this podcast before a little show called Monster Bug Wars, which is a show where they take like a tarantula and a centipede and then they show them fighting. But before they do the fighting, they do the breakdown. So they do this whole like, boxing main event breakdown Oh yeah, we
1: we get the stats of each fighter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so then they have the nature photography, the the nature photography is great, but also the hyping is great and the sound effects are great cuz they'll put like lions roaring as the tarantula eats a a cockroach. They'll put like a lion roaring over it and stuff. But there's two people. There's two scientists, hype men on there who who do a very good job one is a bald guy who hypes up the bugs and one is a lady who hypes up the bugs and the lady who is on monster bug wars who is a spider scientist that's her main field of expertise is working with spiders
1: arachnid entomology
0: yeah she had a spider that she was using for like it's scientific stuff that she sent to the K state insect zoo ah. to retire and so the spider isn't alive anymore but they have the spider preserved and so you can go see monster bug war Dr. Linda Rayner's spider if you're so That's inclined sweet. Yeah. So I'm recommending not just any insect zoo. I can't vouch for them all, but K state's insect zoo is Top notch. Well, lots of good bugs.
1: If and... you find yourself in Kansas instead of <laughs> uh, not in Kansas anymore, then
0: check it out. And, and what did the mummy have? Oh, lots of beetles. Lots of beetles, lots of bugs. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. How about you? What's your love bite?
1: Well, you know me, I love to stick to a theme. And so I was trying to think of other Brendan Fraser movies I'd seen. And I thought of another visually ambitious movie, uh, which would happen to be Monkey Bone. It has been a really, really long time since I saw Monkey Bone. It's directed by the same director as The Nightmare Before Christmas, which I think Tim Burton produced The Nightmare Before Christmas, but somebody else directed it. You know, it's all like a whole thing. Um, So Brendan Fraser plays a cartoonist who creates this character, Monkey Bone, and then he gets into an accident that I think puts him into a coma, if I remember correctly. And then he retreats into this stop motion animation imaginary world where Monkey Bone is real. And Monkey Bone wants to use Brendan Fraser's body to go out into the real world. So you've got almost kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing where there's cute little Brendan Fraser right. and then there's Monkey Bone. Who is sort of the I don't know the stand-in for all of his raging id uh, desires and emotions, uh, and it's you know similar to George of the Jungle, which I think I mentioned in the last uh, episode. It's been a really long time since I saw Monkey Bone. It was one of those movies that was on TV all the time for a brief period. Uh, But I feel like similar to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's an interesting right. movie. If you want to see a movie that tried to blend stop motion animation and live action and create sort of this dark comedy, maybe yeah. it doesn't quite hold up. But like I said, visually ambitious, and it's got Brendan Fraser in it.
0: Very nice. Yeah, I saw it when it first came out. It was like on... When, when it first came out for rental and i did not like it at all but it's always been one of those movies. even as a as a it seems like it's young... a cult
1: movie like i can imagine monkey bone has like a a small oh, yeah. cabal of Very hardcore small. fans <laughs>
0: um but even as a kid like as a teenager i was like this just is over my head like i just don't get it So it's always been one I wanted to go back and rewatch and see if I would understand it better or if it holds up or who knows,
1: maybe you go back and rewatch monkey bone. It's your new favorite movie. Could be. (laughs) All right. Well, that is all for the day. Uh, How would big daddy Mars curse Egypt?
0: He would curse them by sending them to the wrong side of the river!